thinking about flying? Not many of us. International flight travel down 99%. Domestic and international passenger travel down to its lowest level since 1974. People itching to travel, but catch-up will take a long time. One high point of air travel is not people, but pigs. One French cargo company putting its 747 to good use. Medical supplies going one way, pigs to China on the return. Airports are still fairly empty in a new day of wearing masks going anywhere. United announced yesterday a vigorous program for health screening flyers before they're granted a boarding pass after arriving at the airport. Delta and American saying they'll likely need to refinance their debt again in order to stay in business. On my home front, my wife doesn't want to be flying again until there's a vaccine. Not just business, but spiritual Zoom meetings keeping us together. Christian fellowship is important. Online praying has become a blessing. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. We're in a series here on Thursday called 10,000 Miles with Paul. That man spent time in a lot of places as he traveled the known world preaching Jesus. It's why we've called our series 10,000 Miles with Paul, a really big number. And in all his missionary journeys, Paul totaled 10,000 miles of travel at least more if you count his travel by sea. In our world, with airplanes and cars, this doesn't seem like a great feat. We can drive 10,000 miles easy in a year, or travel 10,000 miles in a couple of plane flights. But Paul had feet, and he also once in a while might have had a horse. That's it. 10,000 miles is a very long way. And Paul did it because he was passionate about the Lord and eager to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. He spent time in lesser-known cities like Colossae, which we visited together yesterday. But he also spent time in key cities, Jerusalem, Ephesus. And before he went to Rome, he visited what was called the Second Rome. Ever heard of that city? Most today have not heard, but that is what many called Thessalonica. And in a moment, we're going to look at that great city, and read about the great work that Jesus did there using the Apostle Paul. But first, let's open this program with a song that reminds us of the good news proclaimed by Paul, still being proclaimed today. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and all who believe shall be forgiven. Matt Redman opens with his new song, Upon Him. Upon a hill, a perfect Savior, Upon that day, the greatest love, the punishment that should have fallen on us. Christ has died 
from a brand new album and a brand new song by Matt Redman upon him here on this Haven Today, 10,000 Miles with Paul. We're visiting the city of Thessalonica today. You can find it in the northeast part of Greece, exactly where it was 2,000 years ago when Paul visited. 
and it was often called the Second Rome. I'll share why in a moment. When David Suchet visited this coastal town, he was given a rare opportunity to visit a tiny chapel that many believe marks the spot where Paul first preached the gospel in that city. I'm David Suchet, and I'm on a journey around the Mediterranean, following in the footsteps of a man who 2,000 years ago traveled more than 10,000 miles around the Roman world on foot, and many, many more by sea. In Thessalonica, though, Paul's drive for new converts provoked an angry mob. Some in the city took his claims that Jesus was a king and that there was only one God as a direct challenge to the authority of Caesar. Around AD 49, he wrote his letter to the Thessalonians, the earliest surviving Christian writing of any kind. In it, it's clear that he'd left behind a small but thriving community. The legacy continues to this day. At Thessalonica's Vlatidon Monastery, I met biblical scholar Eddie Adams. Inside the monastery, one of the monks had a surprise for us. Hello. Welcome. So, where are we? What is... This is the oldest part of uh, Vlatidon Monastery, where the tradition says that here preached for the first time St. Paul to the people of Thessalonica. Wow. He actually preached here. Right in this uh, This is the place. spot. This spot? That's amazing. This uh, mosaic is from the 7th century. After that, uh, in the 14th century, they built the rest of the church. Doesn't that put shivers up mm. your back? Mm. This chapel was erected. Yes. Because Paul actually spoke here. I mean, that is quite extraordinary. It gives you a kind of material connection. When you watch the documentary, David Suchet's face shows surprise as he was visiting that special room in Thessalonica. And as you watch this documentary we've been telling you about, you'll visit more places where Paul visited that not many people have seen today. And I know when you watch this DVD, you'll gain a deeper realism about those places. So after the program, my invitation is out to you to call us and make a generous gift as we're approaching our fiscal year end. But ask for the DVD called In the Footsteps of Paul. Here's the number you can call in a few minutes, 800-654-2836, 800-654-2836. Or come to our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And while you're there, why not sign up and join our first ever town hall meeting? It's this coming Saturday, and I'll tell you more later in the program. The Second Rome. I mentioned that earlier, that that's what many call Thessalonica, an ancient city, an incredibly important city. The Roman general, Pompey, loved Thessalonica. And as he was gathering an army during the civil wars just before Christ's birth, Thessalonica was his home base. This important city became a place where the Senate of Rome officially gathered. And that's why Thessalonica was called Second Rome. Paul spent some time there shortly before his famous sermon in Athens at the Areopagus and Mars Hill. It was an important city. 
And just like Pompeii many years before, Paul also found Thessalonica the site of much conflict, not with the military, but with the Jewish believers in that city. Let's listen to the story of Paul's trip to Thessalonica, Acts 17, as narrated once again by David Suchet. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men have caused trouble all over the world and have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They're all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they put Jason and the others on bail and let them go. Acts 17, 1 through 9, read for us by British actor David Suchet. It was Paul's very first time in Thessalonica, a military and political city, but also home for many devout Jews. Paul so often called the apostle to the Gentiles, But we forget what his first order of business was, and that was always when he got into a city, the synagogue. If a city had a synagogue, Paul would be there, teaching and expounding on the Old Testament scriptures, arguing that Jesus was truly the Messiah. Paul probably had the Old Testament memorized, and he had been trained in theology in what could have only been regarded as the Ivy League of rabbinical schools. He knew his stuff. I just love how the Lord prepared Paul long before he was called to know Jesus and called into the ministry. The Lord knew he would be sending Paul into cities to preach the gospel, not just to pagan and unbelievers, but to Jewish people as well. Paul was equipped to speak to both. I would have loved to have been in the room when Paul opened the Old Testament and began to teach. Luke, the author of Acts, told us that Paul went into the synagogue at Thessalonica for three Sabbaths in a row. What was his three-part series about? We might never know, but we learned something from Paul here that I think we need to hear today. The summary of Paul's message to the Jews in Thessalonica was this. The Messiah had to die and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. That's it. It reminds me of Paul's comments to the Corinthians. I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul was focused on. That's what he wanted these Thessalonian Jews to hear, but also to believe. 
He didn't dispute with them about what day the Sabbath should be. He didn't argue with them about dietary restrictions. His main message was not about the temple being unnecessary now that Christ has come. No, Paul was only concerned to preach Christ as the Messiah. When you talk about the Bible with unbelievers or people of other faiths, what do you focus on? I've heard someone say once that the three monotheistic religions, religions that believe in only one God, are all basically the same. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all believe in one God and more or less teach the same things about what it means to live right, so they must be the same. Well, I couldn't disagree more. But not because these three teach drastically different ideas of what it means to be a good person. No, I disagree because what separates these three is a person, Jesus Christ. Judaism doesn't accept Jesus as the Messiah, but as an imposter who thought he was. Islam doesn't accept Jesus because only Allah should be worshipped. Our fundamental disagreement is over Jesus. If Jesus was not God in the flesh, if he didn't die for our sins and rise again for us, then we are hopeless. That's what we need to be focused on. We say here at Haven today that God's great story is all about Jesus because what you say and believe about him will change everything. Paul knew that. And he knew that the only hope for Jewish people is to turn to the one and true Messiah. So he opened the scriptures and he, in my mind, proved it. And in Thessalonica, second Rome, Luke tells us that many people turn to the Lord. Paul must have been a powerful preacher, and more importantly, the Lord used him powerfully. People were turning to the Lord, and those who didn't believe were getting jealous. They were getting furious, and it led them to try to stir up discord and violence in the city. People were finally hearing the truth and coming to the light, but some wanted to remain in darkness. And that's how it still works, wouldn't you say? The loudest voices against the truth are those most comfortable in darkness. That's what we see happening now. And that's what Paul saw happening. The more people were coming to the Lord, the fiercer and more violent the opposition became. They resorted to lying about Paul's message. Paul's message was about Jesus, the Messiah, his life, his death, his resurrection for anyone who would believe in him. The angry crowd, with a hostage in tow, said that he was challenging Caesar. And if you're paying attention, that story might sound familiar. That's exactly how they treated our Lord Jesus, isn't it? Trumped-up charges, a mock trial that perverted justice, an innocent man made out to be guilty and made to pay. Jesus didn't just post bail, like a man named Jason did. Jesus was put to death. But this story of Paul and Thessalonica tells us something. Standing firm for the truth doesn't always mean people will agree with us. In fact, it means most likely that people will reject us, maybe even lie. Christians in those early days were always being accused of insurrection. Preach Christ. That's our calling. Love our neighbor. Pledge allegiance to the Lord first, not Caesar, even if it means ridicule and condemnation, or even worse, death and suffering. We can do that because we know where our home ultimately lies, with Jesus, our heavenly home. 
We can cling to him. And we can do that now. We can do that forevermore. Let's take a moment right now to pray. Lord in heaven, we come to your throne of grace even now, even today. We see disruption in an economy, political disruption. We see anger spilling out from people from all different directions right now. And if we know Jesus, we need first things first. We need to be thankful for the salvation that only you can grant to us. We want to see life and life eternal, and we want to live that life eternal. We want to be peacemakers, good news people, who carry the gospel to those who've never heard, but also proclaim the gospel to ourselves every day. Lord, as we pray for your guidance and oversight in all of our lives, may we do so with the hope that you've put in us, a hope that is carried by the Spirit inside us, a life in Jesus, in whose name we pray right now. Amen. Many are the enemies who've tried to take your throne. They claim to have the power that is yours and yours alone. You're the undefeated king, always and forever you will be, you will be. You are the light, you are the way, you are the word that will remain from age to age, unshakable, you're absolute. Yours remains the 
Haven today and a program called 10,000 Miles with Paul. That was Greg Sykes, and you are the truth. Wouldn't you like to visit Thessalonica? What about Rome, Antioch, and Jerusalem? Well, thanks to the special DVD two-part series called In the Footsteps of Paul, you can visit those places and learn more about Paul's life and his journey. It's hosted by British actor David Suchet, who you heard from earlier in the program. Originally produced for the BBC, this documentary will help you read your Bible with a new sense of realism as you see so many of the places Paul visited and planted the young church of Jesus Christ. Call us right now for your copy of In the Footsteps of Paul. Make a gift to help us keep sharing Jesus. And please pray first about how generous you can be as we're approaching our fiscal year end. Our number to call now is 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Or make your gift on our website at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And just before we have to go, may I invite you to our first ever town hall meeting live this coming Saturday morning. All you need is an invitation. It's free. You just need to go to our website, haventoday.org, or just type in haventoday.org forward slash town hall, and we'll send you the password and your special invitation. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together this great story, the story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God, this is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Songs have a way of triggering memories and emotions. They often call to mind things that you would have otherwise forgotten. It's little wonder then that from Genesis to Revelation, God's Word is also filled with the songs of His people. Songs of remembrance of all that God has done in the history of redemption. You see, God has always intended that His people would sing, both then and now, about what He has done. The Psalms tell us, Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. So what about you? What has God done in your life? And is your heart filled with a song of praise to Him today? Try out Anchor Devotional in print. Visit GetAnchor.com.